Hi there, and welcome back to Who Knew We Didn't. It's great to have you back here. I'm Megan, and my partner and podcast here is... Marta, hey! A lot more energy than I've had all day. <laughs> uh, today we are doing part two of Family Dynamics, yep. which is part... Three, I think, of our whole uh, relationship series. We just, um, it keeps getting longer. It, longer and longer and longer. <laughs> Relationships, guys, by the way, are important. Um, so uh, if you tuned in last time, I covered the sibling dynamic. And so Marta today is going to take us through the uh, other side of family dynamics, which is um, parents and children. Yes, yeah. parenting. Yeah. So, uh, why don't you why don't you go for it then, Marta? Why don't you take it away? Thanks. <laughs> Will do. Um, so the first thing I wanted to say is that family dynamics is the pattern of relating or interactions between family members. So um, same is true for like we talked about it with children last. We talked about it with sibling last. We talked about it with siblings last episode, and today we're going to be talking about it with parents, uh, between parents themselves and parents and children. Um, so I wanted to look at it the two separate ways. So how parents affect their children and that sort of thing, but also how parents interact with each other, because that's oh, like part spouses? of the family. Yeah. Oh, great. I'm excited. Part of the family dynamic. Yeah. Um, there's just off the just off the top, like generally, there's a couple types of family structures. So there's a nuclear family, which is a traditional two parent household with children. Uh, there's a single parent, which is one parent raising one or more children on their own. Extended family is two or more adults who are related either by blood or marriage, but not married to each other, um, who are living in the same home. There's a childless family. Um, and I think this one's important to pause at because often when we think of family, we think of parent and child and then variations of how many parents and how many children and who else is involved. But you don't need kids to have a family. Mm -hmm. You can have a cat or nothing or dust bunnies. Taylor and I are a family. Yes, you uh, are. We have dust bunnies. <laughs> yeah, we actually have a significant dust problem in our apartment, but that's a different conversation <laughs> entirely. <laughs> um. I really just like the tone that you said that with. I don't know. <laughs> um, next up is step family. So it's when there's two separate families merging into one unit. And Megan informed me earlier today that that is the Brady Bunch. Yeah, that's the Brady Bunch. Yeah. yeah. Um, Marta thought that the Brady Bunch was a nuclear family, but it's it's not. It's slightly less conventional. It's a it's a blended. step family family. Yeah. Blended family. Yeah. Yeah. Um, step family family also works. <laughs> And then there's the grandparent family. So when grandparents are raising children or grandchildren for whatever reason. So um, next up, I wanted to talk about why family dynamics are important. So they're important because they're good because of their good effects and also their bad effects. So families are one of the first interactions or social groups that will offer you companionship. Uh, they also offer you security and a measure of protection against the outside world. Uh, so if like you have low socioeconomic status, if you have a good family relationship, then your socioeconomic status actually impacts you less, that sort of thing. But on the other flip side of the coin, um, family dynamics can impact us in profoundly negative ways. So an abusive parent or um, excess of sibling rivalry, like you mentioned in our last episode, that can really impact you negatively. And so family dynamics are really important to study for that as well. Um, family systems theory is the idea that 
issues and problems within a family happen in a circular fashion. So neither the chicken nor the egg came first. They both kind of like coexist and one thing interacts with the other. Like one thing just like modifies the other, but neither one is the leading cause. So like for conflict, for example, in families, it's like, yes, one person could be aggressive, but the other person is doing things that like are annoying or whatever. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. That was a bad example. Takes two to tango. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, uh, Next up, uh, things that influence family dynamics. So there's quite a few, as Megan mentioned, again, in the sibling episode, there's quite a few factors that can affect how siblings interact with each other. Same thing is true for just general families. So nuclear, single family, uh, single parent, whatever. So socioeconomic factors are one of the biggest things that impact family dynamics. Uh, Then there's class. Uh, There's also culture. Today, I wanted to mention that we're talking about, well, I'm talking about individualistic culture parenting so things that are just like mostly in the western society but if you're thinking about like asia japan china taiwan whatever like all of those places are more collectivistic um it's just a different look it's a different way of living it's a different family dynamic that sort of thing so culture is something that can really account for a lot of differences in family dynamics and then there's geography just to name a few but there is definitely way more factors that influence family Mm -hmm. dynamics and then finally before we move into parenting specifically there's genograms which are like a family tree but um instead of regular just like black lines between the people in the families there's like you can use uh, different colored lines to indicate the different types of relationships so if you and your aunt don't really talk you can use like a red dashed line but if you and your sister are really close you can use a blue line to indicate that I have a question about these genograms. So a family tree is something that kind of measures like this is these people made a family and had these children who married these people and made these children who married these people. Like that's how a family tree works. Right. Um, So it, it, it goes by that lineage. So for a genogram, how does that work? Does it go from like you in the center out to all the people in your families? Like, well, the description I found said that it's pretty much exactly a family tree. So the way that you described it. But like, for example, if there was a divorce, like that, it, the partnership, the parents with like their kids would still be in the same formation, but the line between the parents would be a red dotted line instead. Okay, but like visually, it would be the same sort yeah. of formation as your family tree, but you would yeah. be drawing. Okay, So okay. it's not necessarily about you specifically, but about these people and their relation to the family. I was just trying to like visualize it in my head. Yeah. And I... I also described it strangely. So. Well, I just like immediately started thinking about my personal connections to everybody in my family. And I was like, well, wait a second. That doesn't really connect everybody else together that is how i described it so you're totally right to think (laughs) that way because it's what i led you to believe but um yeah from what i understand it's 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 like a family tree but you draw okay cool cool yeah that's neat um and then i want to build one of those (laughs) same and then right after that i'm gonna just dive right into parenting and parents and family dynamics with parents so um First thing is, I just wanted to mention there's no such thing as a perfect parent or a perfect child. So, hell no. Uh, yeah. So, I found so many books online uh, about 
like how to be the best parent you can be or like how to make sure you don't fuck up your kid or whatever and she's just like the title of the book no but i if i wrote a book about child rearing that's the title <laughs> yeah, trademark like, marta Yanishevska. Yeah. or like let's try not to fuck them up or something <laughs> um anyway yeah so there's just like there's there's best practices or there's like the ideal idea of what should be done but your parenting style has to fit your child's personality too so if your child is a terror but you have like a kind of laid-back parenting style that's not going to work it's actually just going to be bad for the kids so hey oh did you watch the simpsons you didn't watch the simpsons i've watched some the perfect episodes. example of that is Ned Flanders, actually. He was like a really hyperactive child and his parents were beatniks. And so then he got sent away to a mental facility for a long time and he got spanked for a full year. And then he came huh. out being Ned Flanders and Completely. he says diddly because that's how he releases his aggression. Oh my God, I didn't know that. Yeah, you should actually watch that episode. It's it's a very good one. It's really Ooh. funny. Um, I'll definitely... yeah look it up <laughs> if I don't forget. So, um, so on that line, there's no perfect parent or perfect child. Uh, when you're rearing your children, it's completely normal to feel all sorts of negative emotions. Um, and if you do, then it's okay. And these emotions are like feeling worried, confused, guilty, overwhelmed, inadequate. Um, a study of parents, like uh, there was a study where they just questioned a bunch of parents about their parenting skills and like how they felt about their parenting skills. And like an overwhelming majority of parents have reported at least one or more of these feelings at, within the last three months of mm. being a parent. So I can't remember the number. And of course I didn't write it down. So <laughs> we're doing really good. Um, another piece of advice is try to avoid living for your children. So one of the things that um, like, one of the things that has been cited is that there are parents who put like a lot of weight or importance on their children and they expect that the children are like the light of their lives and they're going to fulfill them in every aspect. And as we mentioned in our other relationship episodes, you cannot rely on one person to fulfill your every need. Same is true for your children, even though they are your spawn Try not to live specifically only for them because it only sets you up for opportunities of disappointment and resentment. You can't expect to receive everything from your children um next up a unique issue with parenting is if you have twins or triplets and it's something that i came across in my research and it was really interesting to me so parenting twins is a unique challenge because people um set their own expectations on your kids and like on your parenting style so like for example, one possible way that your kids can be negatively influenced without you even knowing it is like if somebody if you get frequent comments like, oh, you must have your hand full or oh, twins, that's a challenge or whatever. Oh, wow. Yeah. And they refer to your two twins, your two individual children as a unit, as one child. And so they don't feel like individuals because everybody's referring them as a unit. And so that's actually like been shown to kind of fuck kids up if they're not feeling like individuals and so it can cause them to rebel and to kind of like push away and really like over um 
like exaggerate the difference between the two of them like no we're different we're completely different so figure out a way even if you have like identical twins figure out a way to like dress them in different colors or like put a little different beanie on them and always talk to them like with their individual names and when people say like oh it must be tough to raise two and just be like no my kids are well like no I love my children or something like that like just like be prepared for people yeah they're sisters they're brothers they're not yeah be prepared for people with like offhanded comments because if your children hear you talking about like yeah it is really hard like then they start to feel like a burden too, right? Like if my parents were always telling me that I was a handful, like I'd feel like shit. Mm-hmm. So um, that's just something interesting that I came up with or that came that came up in my research. Um, I wonder, sorry, I have to say just as an aside, um, I wonder um, how unique that is for twins or if that's true elsewhere. Like if you have a, like, is it a self-fulfilling prophecy for children in other instances who are not twins? Like, you have a child who's, like, a little hyperactive or who, like, I don't know, gets in trouble. And if you, like, if you tell your child they're a handful, does that tell, yep. like, does that mm-hmm. um, cause them to grow up thinking, I'm a handful? Yes. And, like affect their future behavior and personality. Yeah. So I actually have, I don't have the specific study here because I trimmed a lot of the fat on my research. Um, but you actually also mentioned it in your, uh, in your siblings episode that there are in your sibling segment that parents have to avoid pigeonholing their kids. Oh yeah. Typecasting, I think is the word that I use, but yeah, you can't typecast your kids. Yeah. Because like, for example, I felt like I was kind of typecast as the aggressive child and like that kind of impacted me negatively because so many things that I do were like to desperately try to stop being cast as that. I wonder if that's part of, um, sorry, thinking back to the sibling episode, I wonder if that's part of the birth order myth that Mm -hmm. like um, you have middle child syndrome because I've told you you have middle child syndrome or Mm -hmm. you're the baby because I've told you that you're the baby. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I wonder. So so that kind of leads me perfectly into the next thing. Like allow your uh, manage like your kids individuality, like allow them to be their own people and allow them to make their own assertions. Like when I was younger, I used to take long showers like really, I used to just like take really long in the bathtub, in the bathroom in general. Like I was always reading or like it, when I took showers, I would print out song lyrics and just like sing them in the shower <laughs> and just like spend forever in there. And I just loved water or whatever. But then my parents, like every time I went to go take a shower and I was like, oh, I'm just going to go hop into the shower. Like as an adult now, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go hop in. My dad's like, oh, you don't just hop in. Like your showers take forever. They take 45 minutes. They don't. They take five minutes. Like my showers are very, very quick and efficient now, but it makes me so furious when he's, when they use examples of like how I used to be. Mm-hmm. Right. And like it also, I'm a 26 year old woman still living with her parents. So that's like a unique challenge. But um, now that I say that, I wish I had done research about adults, <laughs> living, <laughs> adults living with their parents, but I didn't. Hey, that's actually a really good, uh, honestly, that's probably its own topic. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. So, um, so try not to, like set your own ideas onto your children and like if they say oh I'm this way or I think I'm this way don't be like no you're not you're this way because it could fuck with them um next up marriage so the interactions between parents are actually really interesting an overwhelming amount of research has shown that uh, like 
the mar- of the marriages of the 50% that don't fail, uh, marriage is associated with better physical health psych- and psychological well-being and lower mortality. Um, and this is part, I'm really excited to talk about this because it's linked to evolutionary psych. So women are on average better for men than men are for women. So <laughs> okay. I feel like I just glitched Megan. <laughs> but men tend to engage in more risk-taking activity just like as a gender um and women tend to engage in more caretaking activity just as a gender and so women make sure that men go to the doctor like in this today's civilized society men men's life expectancy like drastically improves when they're in a committed relationship with a woman like a Mm long-term marriage or whatever versus women like it's kind of iffy like getting married doesn't increase or decrease your life expectancy for a woman but for men it would increase your life expectancy in some cases it decreases it decreases women's life expectancy wow in some cases but overall marriage is good for both parties but it's substantially better for men than it is for women because women decrease the amount of risk-taking behaviors men take women also make sure that men are taking care of their health or they take care of their health for them so it's like disproportionately beneficial for men which is not the way that society sets it up huh yeah so it's interesting ball and chain is a good thing um it also provides a net improvement in avoiding disease onset so people who are married tend to have fewer diseases because it's at that point like a lot of the diseases that they talked about is all about preventative measures so you tend to eat healthier you tend to do better things like be active together whatever so that actually marriage tends to on a whole improve people's lives right on yeah i'm glad to hear that yeah get so, married in like two very, months so yeah, very soon Whew, turns out it was a good idea <laughs> especially for taylor <laughs> um yeah it, more i didn't want to go too much further into marriage because we are going to be talking about relationship or mm-hmm. like romantic relationships in the upcoming episodes and that's just like a whole deep sea to dive into. So I just wanted to talk about that just on a basical, base, basical, <laughs> just on a basical whimsical level <laughs> is late. That was great. So in the event that the two people who are married end up having children, this brings in the idea of being parents. And so there's a couple parenting styles that have been like agreed upon in the literature. There's these, what is it? One, two, four parenting styles. The first one is authoritarian or disciplinarian. So this one's more common in collectivistic cultures. So Mm -hmm. like this more strict, rigid parent kids are, (laughs) and the belief that goes along with this is kids are to be seen and not heard. Um, they're strict. It's a strict discipline with little negotiation. Punishment is common. Uh, these parents are often seen as less nurturing and it's more one directional conversation, uh, communication. So parents are talking at the children. Children don't talk back. Um, the next parenting style is seen as permissive or indulgent. So these parents tend to set rules, but they don't necessarily enforce them. Uh, they let children do what they want with limited guidance. They let children make their own decisions, uh, but communication is relatively open between the parent and the child. So this is kind of sometimes seen as like the friend parent. Um, and okay. If I'm sure you have a friend from school, 
from school who had the parent that was a friend or you just watched the show gilmore girls oh yeah 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 gilmore girls would be an excellent example Uh, actually gilmore girls is a good example of authoritarian parenting as well oh yeah on the other next generation yeah um hey there's a show i've watched good fucking show all about family relationships I just patted myself on the back. Yeah. (laughs) You physically did. Yeah. (laughs) These parents are seen as warm and nurturing, which uh, Lorelai definitely is seen Mm -hmm. as warm and nurturing. And their expectations of their kids are minimal, which I don't know if that's true of Lorelai, but... That's getting a little too particular into yeah. Gilmore Girls, I think, and maybe too far diverted from... Well, I mean, if Gilmore Girls doesn't prove it, then it must be a flawed theory. Uh that that's also maybe true (laughs) um the next parenting style is uninvolved so pretty much as its name suggests there's a lot of freedom not a lot of discipline but there's very little nurturing and very little communication so this is a parent that comes home and plops on the couch oh what that's not what i was gonna say Uh, i was gonna say uh that's maybe like rory's father in gilmore girls because he is absent all the time and he comes in and like just sort of shows up and it's like woo and then he's gone i would argue that maybe not because he doesn't really parent no he doesn't parent uh he like attempts to a couple of times and it's very like the fuck are you doing who are you why are you here yeah go away thanks for showing up 16 years later dad you're messing with this quick talking dynamic sorry (laughs) oh no not you (laughs) the father (laughs) you weren't talking kind of quickly (laughs) sorry this okay we're becoming awkward turtles today. Sorry. It's just happening. No, don't. <laughs> okay. And then the next, the best for last is authoritative. Not to be confused with authoritarian. Um, authoritative is all about creating and maintaining a positive relationship with your child. These parents tend to have disciplinary rules, but they're clear and explained. So when the parent, uh, when the child misbehaves the parent explains like this is how you misbehaved like it's very treating the kid as an adult that sort of thing um communication is frequent and appropriate uh these families or these parenting styles are seen as nurturing and the goals for their children are high but they're stated clearly Mm -hmm. so there's no there's not a lot of ambiguity parents are very open with the children and treat children as like thinking beings which is cool i feel like that's what my parents were like I think it's what my parents were like, too. At first, I thought I was going to say that they were a combination of a few styles. But then this one that you closed off with really, like, (laughs) summed them up perfectly. Well, it's funny that you said that because um, it's very common for people to not fit squarely into one style. So parents may be one way at some times and the other way at other times. But I feel like mostly my parents were authoritative. They let me make... A lo- like they gave me they provided me with the judgment that I needed to make my own decisions but they were very guided and like very many times I decided on my own punishments when I misbehaved or like not decided on my own punishments but like it was an interactive thing where my mom would be like okay well you did this like how bad do you think your punishment should be and I was like pretty dang bad and she's like okay so we're gonna send you to your room for a year not actually but I don't know, I'm trying to think about how that worked i i certainly agree that at different points in my childhood or like watching my parents with my siblings um yeah depending on the situation um more depending on like where i was in my life i Mm. would say like as i got a little bit older the leash was looser you know what i mean like as i was learning to as make my own that decisions you like completely ridiculous yeah yeah well and also like the the 
what was the second one you mentioned? What was it called? The looser one? Permissive. Permissive, yeah. So certainly as I got older um, to my like early 20s where like I still needed my parents for, for some things. I wasn't like quite living at home, but I wasn't quite not living at home anymore. Um, my parents were very permissive in that it was like, when I came to them saying, what should I do about this? They were like, I don't know, what should you do about this? And it was like, oh my God, parents, why did for. you like have told me what to do <laughs> yeah. for so so long in my life? Or like, you've at least helped me make decisions for so long in my life. Like we've talked these things out. So like, why am I just on my own now? Yeah, um, It was very frustrating. But like, yeah, as I got older and like showed myself, I guess they got more permissive. But when I was younger and especially when I was in, that stage of childhood where like you're just a shithead like you're just a total brat it felt more authoritarian um but in general i would say authoritative authoritative is the parenting style my parents took yeah and um most what's interesting is authoritarian or disciplinarian style is kind of looked upon positively in some cultures or oh, like yeah. some regions um, because it produces a different result. It doesn't necessarily produce like an emotionally healthy child, but maybe it produces a high achiever. Yeah. Like a high performing yeah. successful person. Yeah. So it depends what you value, but I think I value an emotionally balanced child. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I guess my child, if I'm picking, they would just be perfect. They'd be I mean, emotionally healthy and financially successful. Us, yeah. so. <laughs> um, I don't record podcasts two hours away from my house <laughs> at midnight on Sunday. So whatever. No, nope. nope. not even a little bit. No, nope. I make good decisions. Uh, actually, this is no, not this a bad is, decision. No, this is a good decision. This is a good decision. I made way worse decisions. <laughs> oh. um, so research shows that it's better to have at least one authoritative parent than it is to have a perfect match of any other style. So if you have two disciplinarian parents or two permissive parents, it's but it's still better to have a mismatch. Like in many cases, it's confusing to the child to have a mismatch unless at least one of them is an authoritative. Oh, yeah. So if it's if one of them is authoritative, so like maintaining, creating a positive relationship with the child, then it can be a mismatch and it's not too bad. Hmm. Hmm. And again, that sort of science sounds a little bit healthier because um, different styles will be more effective depending on different situations. So having like a balance there, although I do, uh, I don't like that, like, um, there's the parent that gets you in trouble and there's the parents that gives you everything you want i don't like that um image I, mm -hmm. I don't think that that's good and if it is something that is occurring then i don't think that that's a super healthy family relationship but yeah. um yeah you do kind of need some sort of like it like opposites can balance each other out yeah that's also true yeah um child's temperament has to match your parenting style so as you were saying like as you changed as a child your parents, your parents changed, changed with you. Yeah. 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 So your parents are very adaptable, which is cool. Um, next up, I wanted to talk about grandparents. So I didn't really find a whole lot of empirical studies, but I did find some cute anecdotal articles. Um, and they were all about like preparing to be a grandparent or like oh. be grandparenting is not the same as parenting and stuff like that. And it's so not, no, it's not. And so it was all about like telling the grandparents that you are not this child's parent D uh, despite your 
experience, try not to give unsolicited advice because it will not be accepted warmly and try to educate yourself on the things that have changed since you were a parent. Um, Mm. Because many things have changed. Like, for example, child, like child health care and stuff like that has changed drastically. Like what's best to do for a child now? Like my grandparents used to put like, uh, what's it called? rum or not rum oh yeah brandy yeah, yeah on the gums of babies to put them to sleep not you a can't thing do you that should anymore. be doing <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so yeah so it, it's just like all about preparing to be a grandparent and like don't step on your children's toes because they are their own adults and like your role as a good parent is to be a good grandparent yeah it's just i don't know it was cute articles again i don't have them written down it's true though and i um, I, you don't have this yet, but I look forward for you for the day that you do. I really love watching my parents be grandparents. It's like inspiring and really cool. And it's also just like, as far as your parents go, it's cool to see your parents take on this new parental role. That's not really parenthood. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool to see them be people other than parents. Yeah, you you sort of get to know them in a different way. And my dad does like adorable special things with them. Like he takes them out for breakfast and things like that. And it's just like. Actually, nice. I saw I saw a family like that at Tim Hortons. It was grandparents taking like their teenage granddaughter. Oh, out. so sweet. Yeah. And she was just like, I really like to see teenagers who aren't shitheads. Yeah. And so she was just like chatting with them, telling them about her life. And like, it was just adorable. That is adorable. Also, oh. seeing your parents be people other than parents is also really interesting so I remember I was going through a breakup when I was in high school um probably the breakup that I've referenced before on this podcast um and I used to talk I asked my parents is like did you love anybody before each other or like tell me about your other relationships and like you don't know that about your parents like my parents didn't tell like your parents don't tell you anything about the fact that they're actual humans like other than your parents so if you my mom are- dated a guy who had a motorcycle oh i know i was like mom <laughs> so i think it's important for kids to also realize that their parents are people too yeah um and also parents realize that your children are people like their own full humans and like allow them to be that and that goes links back to the individualism and i'm going on a rant so i will go back to my notes no that's okay um next thing since there since we talked about parenting styles i wanted to also touch upon attachment styles so there are four attachment styles there's secure attachment avoidant attachment ambivalent attachment and disorganized attachment um what's interesting is the way that they like the old school studies and how they tested this so to test what kind of attachment style the kid had to the parent they would a parent would bring their child into a like room with a bunch of toys and stuff like that and the child they the researchers would observe how the parent how the child acts when the parent is in the room um and so if a child like clings to their parent and like stays near them and whatever that indicates a certain type of attachment style if the child like goes but within within the parents like line of sight so that they can always see the parent too um and then they play freely and completely well adjusted that's the best indicator of secure attachment um and then if kids are like kind of all over the place like they don't know how to react then it's disorganized attachment Mm. and then the second part of the study is the parent leaves the room and the researchers uh, see how the child reacts when the parent is gone out of the room. And so if the kid like looks around and starts like kind of gets upset, then that could be an indicator of secure attachment. 
um, because they're securely attached. Hold on. I forgot. While the parent is still there, but the kid isn't very explorative or is emotionally distant, that's avoidant attachment. I forgot to mention that one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so, okay. When the parent leaves, if the child gets like extremely erratic, uh, is really frightened or is like intrusive onto if there's other kids in the room, if they're like aggressive onto the other children, when the parent leaves, that's a disorganized attachment. Um, and then when the parent comes back, they also look at how the kid reacts. So if the kid goes running to the parent and clings on and doesn't let go, then that's, um, that's also not a good sign. Like anything that's uh, anything other than secure attachment is bad. So if the kids like have any kind of weird reactions, it's anything other yeah than it's like attachment. if the goal is having a well-adjusted child then it should be a kid who like i don't know um is cool to have their parent there is cool to have their parent not there is like fine to be near the parent is fine to be like independent like yes yeah. that's, that's secure attachment yes yeah, so right or that's the goal of it yeah 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 and a secure child would um they would come back like when the parent comes back they would see the parent come back in they might be a little bit upset but after being like consoled quickly they'll go back to playing and be completely fine um characteristics of the parents with the different types of oh first i'll talk about percentages sorry so 65 percent of children are uh, securely attached to their parents so i'm glad to see it's such a high number mm-hmm. roughly 20 percent have avoidive atta- uh, avoidant attachment so just as a refresher that's not very explorative emotionally distant um 10 to 15 percent are ambivalent attachments so that's anxious insecure and angry and then 10 to 15 percent also are disorganized attachments so that's depressed angry completely passive and non-responsive so um disorganized is kind of just like i think the researchers were like okay well this one doesn't fit into one or the other so let's just like make a third and call it disorganized i was gonna say sometimes the naming of these things like even the term secure attachment i think is a little bit of a misnomer because uh, the secure attachment it sounds like you're saying the attachment between the two is is like 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 they're well attached yeah. like there's i think of the Canada where like, arm and or like just something docking to a spaceship yeah, i don't know why yeah but like locked together yeah exactly secure. that's what it makes me think of but really secure attachment is that like we're uh secure in ourselves like we're yeah we're confident in ourselves yeah. and in our parents love for us yeah so um Yeah, so that's interesting to note. Secure attachment, the mother is quick, sensitive, and consistent. Um, And that's how you get a securely attached child most of the time. Uh, Avoidant attachment, the mother is distant and disengaged. So this would be the um, un... What's the word? Uninvolved parent. Uninvolved parent, yeah. Um, Ambivalent attachment is the parent is inconsistent, sometimes sensitive, sometimes neglectful. Uh, And then disorganized attachment, the parent is extremely erratic, frightened or frightening, passive or intrusive. So in the case, disorganized attachment happens a lot in um, households where the parent is getting abused. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. ambivalent attachment happens where there's an alcoholic parent that sort of thing it really it just sounds like all of these types of parents mirror the effects that uh mirror the result of this attachment theory yeah 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 um and then 
these what's really interesting about this is how it carries into later life so if somebody was raised with secure attachment to their parents then they tend to be that way in romantic relationships that they don't tend to be overly jealous they tend to be fairly consistent they tend to be the same kind of romantic partner um, if somebody was raised by a distant disengaged partner then they tend to not be emotionally explorative they won't open up so this is the emotionally unavailable person tends to be avoidantly attached, um, disorganized attachment. This, this person tends to be extreme and erratic and unpredictable. You could have like high passion and high hatred, I guess. Um, and ambivalent attachment is also kind of the emotionally unavailable guy. So like sometimes he's super into you and sometimes he's not, but like it, you don't get those extremes. Hmm. Yeah. It's funny. I'm thinking about a, a couple of different people that I know. Um, not funny, haha. Funny, interesting. Um, but thinking funny, of a couple huh. of people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> funny, aha. Um, ha ha ha. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, who uh, all are really different people, but like represent sort of each of those different results in adulthood and like kind of to a T yeah. they they from what I know about them have grew up with those different parenting styles yeah, yeah. so like parenting there's so much that you can do correctly and incorrectly but I think something that is like definitely has a right and wrong like it is correct to always be consistent with your children yeah I was gonna say consistency as well yeah, yeah that like yeah yeah, and that's the thing, like, with my parents, like, no matter how badly I fucked up, like, I knew that they always loved me. Yeah, same. So, it, it's funny, because I always try to get my mom to admit that she loves me more. Or, like, <laughs> not admit, but, like, I try to trick my parents into saying it. And so, like, I'll be like, oh, hey, mom, like, who's your youngest daughter and the one that you love more? <laughs> and she's like, Mar Marta! <laughs> so... I'm a brat, but she loves me more. Carol, suck it. Um, next up, since we're talking about bad attachment styles and bad parenting, something interesting that I came across that I didn't know how to name is called parental alienation syndrome. And the, my subtitle that I gave to it was when parenting goes wrong. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. So the parent... Parental alienation syndrome it was coined by Dr. Richard A. Gardner in the 1980s. Um, and this is when one parent attempts to turn the couple's children against the other parent. Oh, shit. Yeah. So this is when the relationship between the two parents goes wrong. And, and it, everything goes to hell. Yeah. Uh, parental alienation is actually a mental condition in the child uh, by the end of it, uh, where usually one of the parents has been engaged in a high conflict separation. And um, in the... The child allies him or herself with the alienating, alienating parent and rejects the relationship with the other parent without legitimate justification. So um, this is where one parent just tries to turn the kids against the other parent and will lie about the kid, the, about the other parent. And, oh, God. Yeah. And then it screws the kids up because they end up rejecting their, like, dad because the mom talked so much shit about the dad, but the dad's not actually a bad person. The mom's just butthurt because she had a bad divorce or vice versa yeah that yeah. they like hate their mother because of whatever their dad has yeah, yeah. and so it's interesting is that this is getting more and more attention in like family court and stuff like that and it's actually something that's punishable by law 
Wow. Yeah. And as it should be, because these parents, like just the studies that the case studies that I read, like they just fuck their kids up. And then these kids like have no chance of forming secure attachment because yes, while the parent who is the alienating parent, like is providing them with the proper kind of parenting, like the proper love, whatever, you're actually like mistreating your child by like purposely uh, misleading them by lying to them, by making them think things that aren't true. And, so, and that is abusive. And also, like, if if there is any truth to the things that the alienating parent is saying to the child, like, trust your kid enough to have their own mind. Like, they will, if your ex was awful and, like, did these terrible things, your child will recognize that. Like, mm-hmm. it, they're, they're not dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, I know uh, someone who, it, it's really incredible, actually. Her, her father was not good to her or her brother or to her mother um but her mother made an effort all throughout like after they got divorced the kids were pretty young all throughout um their childhood and adolescence and into early adulthood made a consistent effort to make sure that her children had contact with her father or with their father and that like you know like she never um spoke down about him like she would console the kids if the kids oh it's really fucking hard too because he wasn't a great guy and like he the kids often came home like not feeling good about the time they had spent with their father but like it's not because their mother made them feel that way like so like i say your kids are not dumb if these things are real they will recognize these things themselves but if you're lying to them then yeah that is abuse that's not fair yeah so it was just i'm sure there's other things that sorry i didn't mean to get so worked up oh no 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 i'm very glad you did because it means that i apparently care a lot about it yeah yeah i got really fired up when i was reading about this no doubt yeah it's it's interesting because i never thought of it as like this is child abuse but it is it's like i would not have thought of it like abuse but it is it's manipulating your children and it's wrong yeah and like purposely pulling the wool over their eyes and not allowing them to see the truth like because because children like aren't able to see that you're manipulating them it's abuse well and because like i don't don't know shithead it's just don't be awful like that divorce like sure if you need to have a divorce then you need to have a divorce like that's fine that is that happens but like putting your children in the middle of that is is morally reprehensible yes oh (laughs) yes Yes about everything that phrase (laughs) um uh oh and also like studies of these children after like when they grow up into adulthood they're they're fucked up yeah fuck them up these poor things um and a lot of the time they don't even realize that it's because of this so they're at the end of this article that i read there's a couple like checkpoints so it's tough to like checkpoints for the parent so it's tough to get out of a bad relationship or it's tough to get out of a relationship in general especially when you guys are splitting parenting duties Mm -hmm. but it is very very important that no matter how you feel about the parent you let the child form their own conclusions and so this just kind of has been going like as the theme of my research that i didn't tie in until now but like allow your kids to be individuals allow them to like treat them like they're normal logical like thinking beings so with the parenting style that i said the authoritative parenting style like that respects your children as their own thinking beings the um what was it oh how to raise twins you are respecting your children as their own individual beings same thing with parental alienation syndrome respect your children as their own 
fucking human beings because if you don't respect them who would like the goal of raising a child is to raise a functioning well-adjusted adult and if you are manipulating them in some way then you're failing at your job to raise a functioning (laughs) well-adjusted adult agreed um and uh another study that i found under parenting gone wrong (laughs) (laughs) is um parental expectations so actually the majority of the findings in the study were actually quite positive so you know how we talked about self-fulfilling prophecy Mm -hmm. um oh the true the same would be true if you have good positive goals for your children good yeah exactly so if parents that want the best for their kids um oh never mind i totally thought the sentence was going somewhere else which is funny because i wrote the sentence so i should know where it's going (laughs) but my first point bullet point is parents that want the best for their kids could be harming them (laughs) so this is a study um i like it because it's a fair it's a pretty dang large sample size it's 3530 kids um they're german kids so it's pretty western culture there um and their grades five to ten if parent it showed that parental aspirations of children's mathematical achievement were linked by positive relationships. So if parents expect their kids to do well in math, kids are generally going to do well in math. But if the parent's parental aspiration exceeded the children's ability or the children's expectation, um, then it had a negative relationship with children's achievement. So if parents expect more from their children than their children are capable of, are capable of, or also than their children, like, expect from themselves i guess or want for themselves or want for themselves then it actually has a negative relationship yeah despite like regardless of how good the kid actually is in math parent parental expectation like really uh dictates how the child is achieving Hmm. in math specifically because they didn't do the study on any other subject matter oh okay interesting Was there anything else you wanted to talk about in terms of like the spouses? I didn't go too deep in it because I figured I was going to cover that a lot more in romantic relationships. Uh, I'm glad that you did bring up the whole um, that parental alien alienation thing, because one thing that I am curious about, it's, it's sort of like, it's pretty specific, but like, what like obviously divorce has a, an impact on the children in the family right Ooh, actually i do and have knowledge about this so um the best thing for your children is to be in a happy loving marriage in a co-parenting marriage it's the best thing unfortunately it's even though there's a really high divorce rate but you say a happy well okay so this <laughs> is so this is where i'm going the best thing for your children is to be in a nuclear family but if there is conflict in the marriage, it is better to divorce if both parents will be happy than to stay together and have conflict because high levels of conflict at home are the absolute worst. If the parents divorce and it's really messy and it ends up with parental alienation syndrome, which unfortunately very often it does in messy divorces, then your kids are actually even worse off, but you have to be cognizant of that. You have to this is the person that you had babies with. Yeah. Like you guys are tied together for life. You've got to make it work for the benefit of your children. Um, yeah. So the best thing is happy married couple. Uh, n- next is divorced, happy parents. I actually saw, I read a really cool article about a husband and wife who divorced, um, but they wanted to keep, they wanted to do like everything that they could for their, for their children. So they bought houses side by side. 
Oh, yeah. that's really sweet. Yeah. So the kids just like walked in and out of either house. It's really fucking strong. Yeah. And they. I don't know that I could live next door to somebody that I got divorced from. Like, well, the whoa. Parents, the par- parents ended up becoming best buds and whatever. And oh, shoot. Where? Oh, okay. It's my research for the next episode. Oh, okay. Yeah. Where I was talking about. Um, the two levels of evaluation that pe- that people go through when they're choosing their romantic partner. Um, well, don't go too far yeah, into it because yeah. we have to get to that next time. But so interesting. Part of the reason that parents, when they divorce, they actually end up being way better parents than they would have been together is because of this. It's because interesting. of the two concepts that are conflicting. Cool. Teaser. 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 Yeah. teaser. Well, I can't believe I didn't think about talking about divorce and how that affects kids. But Well, I think, and I was guilty of this as well, where I kept looking into things and being like, oh no, that's for that episode. Like when I was going through work relationships, for example, like a big thing that kept coming up in my re- research was romantic relationships at work. And so I had like, True. initially I was like, ooh, cool. Like I'll talk about this or I'll talk about that. Um, and this is a really neat way to like, discuss an example of a work relationship blah 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 yeah. and i was like ah, oh, no this is treading waters that i'm not ready to tread yet because they're they're I also tend to pigeonhole myself so i'm like i really want to talk about this one thing and then like i completely ignored divorce and well i don't think you ignored it you did talk about alienation well because there was just like one one-off cool article anyway that's everything i'm that's- glad that you i'm i'm glad that we were able to t- to talk about it though because i feel like i got the answer i was looking for cool. so thumbs cool. up <laughs> My aha moment from this was, was I think, the conversation about alienation, because I hadn't really thought about that, not having a lot of um, personal interaction with a, a family who's gone through a divorce or like not having witnessed something like that myself. I never really thought about what impact that would have on a child's like future. I did know that that girl I mentioned earlier who quite the opposite her mom worked really hard to maintain a relationship between the kids and their father mm-hmm. um so that was that was my who knew i didn't moment from oh, today cute. i think yeah um all right well thanks everybody for for tuning in and if you want to let us know about your who knew moment um you can reach out to us on facebook twitter instagram or gmail we are who knew we didn't at all of these places. Hashtag WKWD. <laughs> yes. Also, if you wanted to hashtag. <laughs> hashtag. Hashtag. Hashtag W. Tag W. Sorry. <laughs> keep, keep I'm it trying all to keep like it all in. throw it all together. Hashtag. Hashtag. W tag. WD. <laughs> Don't do the hashtag. We'll never find it. No, we'll but. never find it. WKWD with a number sign at the start you can reach us that way um or who knew we didn't at gmail.com facebook instagram twitter anywhere and any- everywhere we're there let's <laughs> review us you on there. itunes oh my god yes <laughs> review us on itunes rate review subscribe <laughs> while you're listening to this rambling ass ending that we tend to always do i think oh, shit uh scroll down to the bottom of your itunes page in your or your podcasts app Click that little five star. We don't accept anything less than amazingness because we know our expectations match your <laughs> abilities. Yeah, That's no it. big thing. Um, yeah, and and tune in next time, please, to to wrap up the 
series that we've gone through on relationships. It's been a pleasure having you all join us this week and last week and any other week that you've t- tuned in. And uh, yeah, uh, thanks. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great week, guys. Bye.